Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. Right now, Collective is fully online, so if you like the podcast, make sure to check us out on Facebook at My Collective Church on Sunday mornings at 9.25 a.m. for Collective Online. We would love for you to join us. A lot of big things are going on at Collective, so make sure not to miss a week this fall as we will be sharing about how God is moving in our church and what is next for Collective. Now, let's get into today's message. When Collective first started, we didn't have an office, so I'd head to the Monocacy Starbucks and grab a table for a few hours to try and get some work done. And after a few months of doing this multiple times a week, I began to realize that the Starbucks had a group of regulars that would cycle in and out during the day. And on one day, I was working on a sermon with my headphones in when one of those regulars came came and sat down at my table and started talking. Side note, please don't do that to people. They're sitting alone for a reason. They have headphones in for a reason. Their face looks like this for a reason. Now, I didn't want to be rude, so I took my headphones out and I hesitantly started a conversation with him and he jumped right in. What are you drinking? Why are you at the Starbucks all the time? What do you do for a living? As you could expect, this led to me sharing a little bit about Collective, which led to more questions and more questions and more questions. Eventually, he explained that he was a Christian and was attending a local church, but was really intrigued by this church planting thing and wanted to check it out sometime. And he did. A few weeks later, he showed up at one of our pre-launch meetings. And this led to him asking if we could talk a little bit more about Collective. So I set up a time to chat at Starbucks. After two hours of talking with him, I had to end the conversation, but told him that we would just grab coffee again in the future. And what I meant was in a couple of weeks. But what he heard was the next time I was at Starbucks and the next time and the next time. Every time he came into Starbucks, he sat down to talk to me. But no matter how much I listened, it was never enough. I could never answer enough questions. I could never help him enough when it came to the issues with his job or the girl he was interested in or his roommates. And it got so bad that I had to change Starbucks just so I could get some more work done. But then he started emailing me. And it didn't stop there. One night around 8 p.m., I got a call from a number that wasn't in my phone, so I sent it to voicemail because I was having dad time with Elise. Then the number called again, and then it called again. At this point, I answered my phone because I was nervous that something terrible had happened to a friend or a family member, and they were in the hospital or in jail or something else was going on. But it was a Starbucks guy, and I had no idea how he got my number, but he did. For a little over a year, this guy would find me at Starbucks. He would email me. He would call me, text me, Facebook message me, DM me on Instagram. And I could tell that he was lonely. I could tell that he didn't have many people to talk to. And even though he ignored all of my boundaries and called regularly during dinner time, or emailed me on my day off and got upset when I didn't email him back for a few days or tapped me on the shoulder at Starbucks until I stopped working, I still felt bad. My heart went out to him. He was looking for someone to care about him and to listen to him. But, and this is really important, no matter what I did, no matter how much time I gave him, no matter how many phone calls or texts or emails I answered, 
It was never enough. He always needed more and more and more. While this is my story, I know that many of you have experienced or are currently in relationships that sound the same. There are people in your life that always want more. People who no matter what you do, it's never enough. So that's what I wanna talk about today as we continue our series, I Believe in Monsters. Over the past few weeks, we've been learning how we love the difficult people in our lives, the relational vampires, the people who suck the life out of us. And today I want to work through the question, how do we love people who are always in need? How do we love needy people? How do we support and care for people in our life who always need a little extra attention or are always in need of help? These are the people who the conversation is going to take a little bit longer than most. These are the people who often dominate and share the same story over and over and over again. Sometimes these people are negative. Most of the time they portray themselves as the victim. And when you do something for them, you do it out of the kindness of your own heart, but it's often not enough. You give, but they seem to want more. It could be a neighbor that you really do care for, but they're all alone and really need more support than what you're able to offer. It could be the guy at work that just doesn't have a lot of friends or your family member who's always in need of more money and more money and just a little bit more money or the insecure roommate that's always fishing for compliments. It could be your friend who's the hot mess or the friend who's always on the struggle bus. How do we love people who are always in need? And this is really complicated because if you follow Jesus, you should really care about these people and want to help them. But these are difficult relationships because it seems like whatever you do, it's never enough. Then if you pull back and, and you start to regroup, you feel guilty about leaving them stranded or in need and you want to help them. But if you help them in the wrong way, then it actually ends up hurting them and hurting yourself as well. So how do we love people who are always in need. So here's what we're gonna to do today. We're gonna to read through parts of John 6 in the Bible, and I'm gonna show you three ways that Jesus responded to the needy people in his own life. Let's start with verse two. It says this, a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Every time Jesus taught, he drew a huge crowd. And the crowd was full of people who believed he was the son of God, people who were skeptical, people who wanted to see him perform miracles, people who wanted to receive miracles. And this day was no different. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? So the people are hungry and Jesus wants to feed them. It makes sense. There is a need and he asks Philip to help figure it out. And Philip knows that this is a test because there's no way they could buy enough food to feed the 5,000 plus people who were there. So that's when Jesus takes five loaves of bread and two fish and miraculously multiplies them and feeds every single person there. And this is what it says in, in John 6, verse 12. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. So Jesus performs a miracle and feeds a ton of people so much so that they actually had leftovers. But then Jesus does something really interesting. Verse 15, 
he slipped away into the hills by himself. So here's the first thing I want to point out. You cannot give from an empty cup. In order for you to keep giving out, at some point you have to stop and fill back up. And Jesus understood this. Think about the way Jesus cared for people. He served selflessly. He loved authentically. He gave generously. He taught faithfully. He listened compassionately. And then he would step away. He would go outside and reconnect with God so that he could recharge spiritually. And then he would go and serve faithfully again. Right? You see this rhythm over and over again in the life of Jesus. I give out, I give out, I give out. I unplug and receive from God. So I'm pouring out of a full cup, not an empty one. And to be honest, part of the reason why the needy people in our life bother us so much is because we don't feel like we have anything to give. But that's not their fault. That's ours. So we have to create disciplines to step away and be filled back up. We have to create rhythms that include rest. We have to spend time with God. We have to spend time in prayer. We have to spend time in life-building community. We have to worship. In order for you to keep giving out, at some point you have to stop and fill back up. And listen, I know that this is hard. Check out what happens after Jesus stepped away. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? I don't know about you, but when the pandemic first started, uh, I missed a lot of things, especially during the first few months we were on stay-at-home orders. I missed Starbucks, Chick-fil-A, Mission Barbecue, mostly food, meeting together as a church as well. But there's another thing that my wife and I both realized that we missed while we were working from home with the girls. And it was not being able to go alone to any room in the house without my two kids losing their minds. Like seriously, I never knew how good I had it until I worked at home for a few months with a then four-year-old and one-year-old. Anytime Ray would go upstairs, where's mom? Anytime I close the bathroom door, dad, what are you doing? Crying kids, fingers under the door, kids leaning against the doors and slowly hitting their head on it just to let me know that they were waiting for me. And I kind of feel like that's what Jesus is experiencing, right? He just wants a moment of peace, time away, a deep breath. And this crowd is sticking their fingers on the door asking, Jesus, what are you doing? Jesus, where are you going? Jesus, when did you get here? It's hard to find time and space to be filled back up, but Jesus did it, and so should you. I once heard it said like this, you can't say yes often if you don't say no occasionally. Right? You can't say yes often if you don't say no occasionally. You want to be able to pour out of a full cup because once your cup is empty, you've got nothing to give. You cannot give from an empty cup. Let's jump back into the story. Jesus feeds thousands of people. He then slips away to spend time with God, but the crowd chases him down asking, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. So Jesus essentially calls them out. You all are here. You chased me down. You tried to find me because you want food, right? You want more. 
you're needy. But check out what Jesus does. He doesn't give the crowd what they want. Instead, he offers them what they need. Jesus says, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the son of man can give you. For God, the father has given me the seal of this approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one who he sent. Right? Jesus makes it as simple as possible. I will give you something better than food. I will give you something that you need. I'll give you eternal life. And that's all you have to do is believe. That's it. Side note, if you, for those of you who are watching today who don't follow Jesus or maybe grew up going to church, but you'd say that your faith is barely there, it really is that simple. Jesus wants something better for you because he loves you. It doesn't matter how much sin you have in your life or how far you've run away from him. He wants you to have eternal life. He wants you to spend eternity in heaven with him. And you don't have to earn it. You don't have to take a bunch of classes to receive it. You don't need a priest to confirm it. All you have to do is believe. Believe that Jesus is the son of God and that he came to earth to rescue you from yourself in this jacked up world. And the way you celebrate that belief, the way you publicly declare it is to get baptized. That's what we're celebrating tonight at our fall worship night. We're celebrating three guys who are declaring their belief in a risen savior. And we hope you join us in celebrating that from four to seven at the future home of Collective. But more than anything, we hope that you one day make the same decision for yourself. And if you are ready now, all you have to do is check the baptism box on the connection card that's online or on the app. And we will call you this week to start a conversation about your next steps. So that's the offer Jesus makes us and the crowd. But check out how they respond. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness, the scriptures say. Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Come on, Jesus, show us a sign. Do some magic. I mean, other than feeding all of us yesterday with five loaves of bread and two fish and having leftovers. That wasn't good enough. We want more. Show us more. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. Now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. And so Jesus explains, I'm not going to give you what you want, right? You want bread to fall out of the sky so that you won't be physically full. But I want to give you life so that your soul is full. And that leads to the second takeaway. When you do give, give strategically. Help people out strategically, right? And most of the time we don't do this. Like I don't do this. Because instead of giving strategically, I have a tendency to give emotionally. And you probably do too. We see a need and because we care, we just react and do the first thing that seems easy or convenient. Or we choose to do something that actually makes us feel good and relieves our guilt when we help them. But that's unhealthy. So what do we want to do? We want to give strategically. Instead of focusing on just what they want or what relieves, gives us relief or what relieves our guilt, Instead, we want to ask, 
What do they really need? What will genuinely help them? Not just in this moment, but what will help them long-term, right? This isn't emotional giving, but prayerful and strategic giving. In this story, the crowd seeks out Jesus because they want more bread. And they're hoping that Jesus will do another miracle and give them what they wanted, right? And that's what we would do. Think about it. What do people want? Bread. What's easy to give them? Bread. And if Jesus was a people pleaser, this is what he would have done. But Jesus didn't respond to them emotionally and said he offered them what they needed. He gave strategically. To be completely honest, this is why we don't have a benevolence fund at Collective, meaning we don't have money that we just give out to people in need. And I know that might sound mean, but let me explain. As a church, we choose to give to organizations that can fulfill long-term needs instead of short-term wants. We support the Frederick Rescue Mission, the Mental Health Association, the Faith House, and a ton of great organizations that don't just hand out meals, but help people find jobs help people with mental health and parenting resources, help people with housing. Sure, we could write checks to get through this month, but what about the next month and the next month and the next? This is why we don't do our own food bank, but restock the ones in Frederick. This is why we don't do food drops because all that does is create codependency rather than helping people long-term. And we learned this from Jesus. Because it's so easy when we see someone in need to do what is simple and do what makes us feel good. But what's right may take more wisdom, more discernment, more sacrifice. We don't just want to relieve an immediate need. We want to help people long-term. So we give strategically. And this needs to happen on an interpersonal level as well, right? You want me to validate you, but what you need is to learn who you are in Jesus to love yourself, to accept yourself. So I'm not going to continue to meet a need I was never designed to meet. I'm gonna help you figure out who you are in Jesus. You want more time with me, but what you need is to develop your own identity. You need to see that you are valuable to God and I'm not the only one who can meet your needs. That he can give you access to a broader family, the church, so you're not alone and your needs can be met by a community of people, not just me. I'm not just going to do what you want. I'm not just going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to help you by giving you what you truly need. And that leads to the third takeaway. You are not the ultimate solution. Jesus is. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but I should raise them up on the last day. For it is my father's will that all who see his son and believe in me should have eternal life. Right? Jesus offers them something so much better than what they want. Better than food. Better than miracles. He offers them eternal life. He offers them endless second chances. He offers them life to the fullest. And while you can help people and you can care for people and you can love people, only Jesus can save people. But here's the problem. 
We think that we are the solution. We feel really uncomfortable with pointing people in our life to Jesus when they're in need because we want to fix people's problems. But it's insulting and dangerous for me to ever think that I am someone else's answer. It's insulting and dangerous for you to think you are the source that meets somebody else's needs. It's dishonoring to God to say that we are necessary in every case to see that every need is met. We are not someone else's answer. Jesus is the answer. We are the delivery system. He is the power. We are the conduit. And if you think God needs you to fix everyone else, your God is too small. If you think you're necessary in every way, you might be screwing up the process God is already doing. You are not the ultimate solution. Jesus is. And listen, notice how today isn't an out for helping people. Notice how today isn't about how you should only help people that you get along with. Notice how today isn't about how you should only help the people who have helped you. Today is how, about how you can love people even when they're needy. And Christians, I'm mostly talking to you because I've heard this in churches for years. This is my project person. Listen to me. People in need are not projects we work on. They are people that we love. And we love them because Jesus loves them in the same way that he loves us unconditionally. In spite of our brokenness, in spite of our flaws, in spite of how needy we are, people are not projects that we help because we're all in need. And, we, and while we learn from Jesus in this story, the truth is we are the crowd so instead of seeing myself as the one who meets someone else's needs or seeing someone else as a person who meets my needs, I need to realize that as being part of the kingdom of God, we're supposed to just point people toward Jesus. And then Jesus is the one who truly meets our needs. Psalm 40 says this, as for me, since I am poor and needy, let the Lord keep me in his thoughts. You are my helper and my savior. Oh my God, do not delay. We are all broken. We all have needs. Jesus is the only one who can truly satisfy them in a way that doesn't leave us hungering for more. So if we ever look at someone else and think I am here to solve their problems, we're wrong. We are just here to point them toward Jesus in the same way that others have done for us. We are just broken people in the presence of a good God. And that is how we love and care for needy people. And that is how we want people to care for us. Equally broken, equally needy, equally loved by a gracious God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you love us. God, because the truth is we're needy. We want more. We're the crowd that chases you down, seeking out bread, but yet you still offer something that's so much better. God, you offer us eternity with you. You offer us grace. You offer us forgiveness. You offer us hope, purpose, life to the fullest. God, I pray this week uh, that we recognize that we are those needy people, but yet you love us unconditionally. You don't ignore us. You don't push us aside. You don't talk badly about us. Instead, you continue to serve and care for us. God, I also pray that we can do the same thing for the people in our life that always want more, 
God, that we don't just try to uh, fix an immediate need that's right in front of them or a short-term want, but God, we can point them toward you where they can get what they really need. God, that we can spend time with you and fill ourselves back up so we have more to give. But God, ultimately that we recognize that we are not the solution, you are. God, we make it our job, our mission, our calling, our purpose to point as many people as possible toward you because you can give them so much more, just like you've offered us. God, we thank you and we love you and pray these things in your name, amen.